This episode of Boob Sweat is brought to you by Mega Babe. If you didn't already know, I founded my personal care brand, Mega Babe, a few years ago to solve real problems with cute solutions. Even though I founded the brand, I am not qualified to do every single job, which is why I hire wonderful people like our customer service wizard, Britt. I've brought Britt on here to help answer a question. Hi, Britt. Hey, Katie. All right, Britt, go ahead. Bonnie said she's a super sweaty girl, and she asked how we can help with sweat that's showing through her clothes. Bonnie, 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 have I got some answers for you. We have several different solutions, starting with our bus dust, which is a hands-free way to apply our telc-free powder into your bra. You just literally pump it in there. It was the second product that we launched with. We also have our dust puff, which helps making apply powder to your body really easy because it helps with the mess. It also puts the powder on really evenly. Our dust puff is kind of awesome. And if you're not into powder, we actually have a cool product called Magic Powder. I know it says powder in the name, but it's actually a lotion. You apply it in a thin layer and it dries with a powder finish. I put it right under my boobs and sometimes under my butt cheeks. It's awesome. And don't forget, we also have body dust, which is the same great formula as our bus dust, but with a different applicator. So if you're not a fan of the pump, this comes with a sprinkle applicator so you can easily apply it anywhere that you experience sweat throughout the day. Britt, you're right. Body dust, of course, duh. Thank you so much for always knowing more than I do. And for a limited time, I'm offering Boob Sweat listeners 15% off your order at megababeauty.com with the code boobsweat15 at checkout. Now, on to the pod. Hi, I'm Katie Storino, and this is Boob Sweat. There are a lot of things out there that make us sweat, but don't worry, you're not alone. We are here to talk about it. This week, we're talking about anxiety with my friend Gabby Bernstein. I don't know if you've ever read any of Gabby's books or listened to her podcast, Dear Gabby, but... She's incredibly inspirational, and she's helped me through a lot of different times in my life. Maddie put together a bunch of your questions about anxiety, and we had Gabby answer them. And the the answers are pretty cool and pretty interesting. Yeah, they're very interesting. I will say that I am very hormonal. I'm two days from my period, um, so I was extra open, and like my emotions are about a, a millimeter um, under my under the surface. But I did feel like I had a breakthrough and it was and it was real and it was something that I'm still thinking about. And again, I hope that you're able to kind of put this session that you're going to hear in practice for yourself. Without further ado, here is Gabby Bernstein answering your questions about anxiety and giving me and hopefully you a therapy session. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on. Girl, you know I have a massive girl crush on you and I'm obsessed with you. Same, which is going to make what I'm about to say even more creepy. But I think that the cover of your latest book, Happy Days, is your hot, your hottest cover. It's, I, I know you probably can't answer that, but I'm just saying it's like the skin is glowing, you're smoldering, and I'm seeing happy days underneath. And I'm like, yeah, I want whatever this, what's happening here on this cover. Well, also, we talked about this when you were on my podcast. Um, I gained 17 pounds during IVF, and a lot of that I needed. And I think mm. that's what makes this cover look so much healthier than others. <laughs> oh. well, I don't know. You're just like, everything's popping. So I love to hear that. Um, 
So essentially what I did is I asked my I asked my people for a bunch of questions about anxiety. We we talk about anxiety and we use it like we use it in a casual way, but for many people it's very serious and it's not so casual. And I think a lot of people on the gram had some good questions for you and I'm going to start with how do I know the difference between anxiety and healthy stress levels? I think about that all the time. So Let's start to let's open with sort of reprogramming our relationship to anxiety, and then that will help you get a better sense of when it's helpful and when it's hindering. So what happens is, is anxiety, I believe, is a protector part of us, and it's often there protecting us from very impermissible feelings of shame and guilt and fear that we have not processed yet. So let's start by just saying thank you to the anxiety. Thank you for, quote unquote, air quotes, protecting me and doing whatever you've needed to do to this point. And the goal is not to live free of anxiety, but to let the anxiety remind us and be a guide for us to help us see, "Uh uh-oh, I think I'm burning out right now. And I actually have been doing this lately. Or, oh, I feel that anxiety. What does it want me to know? Get curious about it. What is underneath it? Oh, okay. It wants me to know that that feeling I'm having right now is reflective of feeling inadequate. And I know that that's a story from my past. And maybe I can start to work on that in my therapy or I can bring that to a friend. So really let the anxiety show you and reveal to you what is underneath it. There's no way that we would feel anxious unless we were trying to numb out a deeper pain. Now, anxiety is also a reflection of the fact that our nervous system is in a fight-flight response because it's overactivated, it's hypervigilant, it's, it's in almost like a fear state, and that creates that bubbling of anxiety. And when anxiety becomes so extreme, it's like an anxiety disorder, which can really mm. wreak havoc in all of our life. So the first step is to just recognize Anxiety is revealing to me something deeper that I need to know. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And now I can start to notice when I have anxiety and I could ask myself, is this anxiety showing up because I'm having some stress in my life or is this anxiety something that is deeper? That would be the question. Talk to the anxiety. Ask the Mm. anxiety why it's there. Mm. Now, the reality is, is that even stress-induced anxiety has a deeper wound underneath it as well, right? So it's like that stress is, is often there when we're trying to push really hard to prove ourselves or push so hard to work so we don't have to feel or just, just get so extreme with our thinking because we can't possibly settle into the relaxed state. So it's always revealing something to us. So first step would be to ask the, ask the anxiety to reveal what it is covering up. Mm. You really hit on the um, work work so much that you don't feel. I think that that's definitely something that I've done before uh, in the past. And I actually talked about it with my husband earlier this week. We were out on the beach. It was sunrise. I was so grateful for this moment. And I was like, wow, I really used to work every second of the day. And when when he and I got in this relationship, I learned to find balance 
um, with that because I, I didn't need to have my brain occupied all the time. It's also a result of all the work that you've been doing on yourself. Mm. Because when you become safe enough to say, okay, I'm going to not be a workaholic, that means that you've been really healing some deeper stuff because the workaholic is a, is a part of you as well that's saying, mm, work till you numb out, work till you don't have to fucking mm -hmm. feel that mm -hmm. shit, right? Mm -hmm. And when you give voice to the deeper stuff and you start to go deeper in whatever work that you've done for yourself, that's when those parts can start to relax and be less extreme, the workaholic, the anxiety. Isn't it, I also want to say, it's interesting, I think people think that once they've done work that they're good and the work never really stops. No, no, listen. I have just published this book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And that book reveals all the work that I have done, decades of work, and in efforts to really help guide readers to get to the path that's going to help them. But I'm not done. No. I became safe enough and free enough to write that book without re-traumatizing myself because I've done so much work. I wake up without anxiety every day. I feel very good in my body, but that doesn't mean I'm done. Yeah. I have my therapy session tonight. Tonight. Wow. That is very inspirational to know that you still go to therapy. Sometimes twice a week. Yes. Mm -hmm. Best investment mm -hmm. of my life. And the other thing I want to just generously um, intuitively suggest is you and I on my podcast did a little IFS, internal family systems therapy. Yeah. You took to it so freaking fast. Yeah. And for people who haven't listened to our episode on, on Gabby's podcast yet, you absolutely should go listen to it. But, um, can you, can you explain what you did with me? What Internal Family Systems is, it was founded by my friend and teacher, Dick Schwartz, who is a profound, profound man, channeled this amazing material. I say channeled. I mean, I really believe it came from, it came from a higher source and, and through him and through his intellect and everything else. It is based on the premise that we have many different parts of ourselves. We have these child parts that are so ashamed, so afraid. They're like the parts that were neglected or mm -hmm. traumatized or bullied. And we say, get the F out of there. I actually saw a post that you posted about being in a nightclub and somebody mm -hmm. calling you fat. And mm -hmm. then that part is probably exiled somewhere. That like, that like, that, then it's a young girl. Okay. And so the reactivity and the fear and the, the and no one, no one should ever speak to anyone like that and, and, and shame anybody and make anyone feel bad. But nonetheless, it was overly activating for you because that part, that child part has been under lock and key. So we have all these other parts, these protector parts that the workaholic, the workaholic is really a protector for you. Uh, avoidance is a protector for me. Uh, Cocaine was a protector. These parts that we build up to anesthetize, numb out, and push down those child exiled parts. So we have exiles and protectors. And then all of us have what is called self. It is the compassionate, courageous, calm, resourced adult part of us that is connected to a sense of inner wisdom, peace, love, compassion, curiosity. And the more we connect to that self, and get direct access to self. We can, when we can really listen to self, that's when we can help guide these child parts and these protector parts back to safety. 
So that's the work that we did on my show. Yeah. Our Instagram questions. How do you turn your brain off so that you can go to sleep? I guess, how does one turn their brain off so they can go to sleep? So I have some practical and then some therapeutic and some spiritual ways. Great. So I would say first and foremost, I have, I'm very diligent about sleep hygiene. What is sleep hygiene? So important. Okay. I don't think I have it. You probably don't. Most people don't. That you really okay. consciously create the environment to sleep comfortably and to not go into the bed with the monkey mind. So the first step is an hour or more before you go to bed, start to dim the lights in the house. Start to turn off all devices. Mm. O-F-F, off. Oh, wow. Put them in another room. Get, a, get an actual alarm clock, like a real alarm. I have one of those. I don't need to use it, but I have one. Great. If you need to get up, use that. Take yeah. your devices in another room, plug them in, and shut them down. Ariana Huffington once sent me a bed, like a, bit, a mini bed with silk sheets for me to tuck in my phone. I swear to God, I use it. I use it in the city. That's okay. That's like a VIP gift. Wow. So that's two hours or an hour before. And at the very least, start with a half hour before at least. Okay. Okay. In that time, create a downtime routine that is so nourishing. So for me, I get my kid in bed by eight o'clock and then I go to bed by nine. But when I get him to bed, I go take a bath. I light some candles. Mm. Typically, sleep hygiene would say don't even read in bed, but I do. That's 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 healing for me. But I won't read anything okay. activating. I'll read a self help book, or you know, okay. I'll read like I'll read something that's that's soothing or spiritual or you know, parenting book, something that's kind of like not too high stakes. Yeah. And I usually just read a few pages, bef- and and I also set my room up to be like this very epically amazing place to sleep. So I have this chili uler that's like a cooling pad you should what's that now it's called a chili uler and now here here's my suggestion to you from a business perspective go get them to sponsor this episode okay (laughs) it's a chili uler and the uler is pretty much like it's a cool it's a cooling pad so it gets my temperature i go to 73 because i sweat at night and really hot and there's just no way oh this is for night sweats yeah girl okay i don't have night sweats but i think about it all the time also helps you sleep Okay, cool. Uh, the chili oiler. And then I have, my curtains are closed and they, they have uh, the, their, their blackout curtains. Okay. Sometimes if I'm in bed reading, I will get on this thing that's called the PEMF mat that I got from um, Higher Dose. I love that. Yeah. And it's a mat that like sends these electromagnetic waves into your body for settling and really relaxes my my muscles. And then there's heat as well. So I'll lie on that while I'm reading. I mean, this is really elaborate, but it doesn't have to be this elaborate. It can just be whatever you want yours to be. Yeah. You know, yours could be just as simply like I turn on some gentle music and I relax yeah. and whatever it is. Uh, or I pick a card from a spiritual deck or something like that, right? Or I light some incense. Make sure you put it out before you go to bed. Good call. I so I just I just create this vibe in the room, and that is on that's just uninterruptible. I'm just unless my kid like freaks out or something, you know, and I just let myself settle, and that is sleep hygiene. And when you make that commitment to yourself, 
you are proactively shutting down your system and telling your body, here are my sleep cues, it's time to rest. The same way that you'd put on a sound machine for a kid or you know, play a song for a child to help them fall asleep. You do the same for yourself. You set up these sleep cues. Okay, lights are dimming at two hours before. Yeah. Taking a bath. Like all that routine is just magnificent. And then more, if we wanted to go deeper, really the, the reason we have insomnia in the first place is because we have unresolved anxiety, which is, as you've heard already now, unresolved emotional disturbances that we need to work mm. through. Can I ask you a question from a parental point of view? So many parents, and there's there's no judges here. I'm just saying, I think parents do what they got to do to like survive right now. And um, iPads have become a real nighttime tool. Mm-hmm. What's what's your what's your take on that? Or like, what do you? I mean, obviously, people got to do what they got to do. But I feel like it's it, it has is, a time and place. Yeah, it's really destructive. Yeah. I've gone through a period. My son had this thing called RSV for two months. It's a really bad bronchial issue. It's like bronchitis Mm. for a kid, and it's really messed up. And he was so, so sick. And so in that time, we would just give him anything he wanted because the little baby was just, he was so sick. And so we gave him TV whenever he wanted it. We gave him the iPad whenever he wanted it. And it it got to the point where when he was better, he was still like looking, looking, looking for it like it was, you know, this addiction. Yeah. And he started to act in different ways. And we were just like, holy moly, we got to undo this. Thankfully, children are so malleable and they can reprogram pretty quickly. And so we took the iPad away. We had one day of meltdown. And we said, I don't even know where the fucking iPad is anymore. I don't even know where it is. It's like no. lost in my house because I, I hid it. Are you from, serious? I hid it from myself. Yes. I hid it from him and myself. So So he's now got no iPad. The only way to watch TV is to go to the basement have mommy and daddy put on the TV, which is a lot healthier than the iPad, because when they get into the iPad, they get into these YouTube holds. First of all, make sure the kid has YouTube kids, but because otherwise they're going to be like yes. at like wacky unboxing videos and like just oh, tragic shit. So yeah. you don't want to give them control over it because then they're just going to like, you know, just be all in there. So you turn on a show onto the television like we used to do. <laughs> And yeah. them, and I get, would give him like 15 minutes of it before it was bedtime, before we would go and yeah. take a bath and do our routine. It's so amazing how he was sick the other day and we went back into the iPad because it's, at, you know, at that, that, at that moment, it's like you said, it's like you need it. Survival. And it's also like, it's the only way his system will like just re- like relax and I need him to just yeah. chill. So that will happen. And then uh, literally 48 hours later, he's like, I want my patrol in the morning, my patrol in the morning. <laughs> patrol, 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 pop patrol, pop patrol, you know, you know. So, Blueberry strawberry movie daddy with patrol, patrol now. <laughs> and patrol on the sofa. And then like, I looked at him and I was like, dude, that those days are over. We did it for a day. It's gone now. We're gonna let and then it's always it's always great to say, not now, but for 15 minutes later in the basement. And then say, what could we do instead? What would you like to do instead? Hmm. In some cases, I'll be suggestive. I'll say, hey, you know what? Would you like to go and sit down with mommy and make a magnet tile castle for your dinosaur? Yeah. Now, here's the deal. In COVID times, we have a lot less freedom from the existence of our children in our presence when we're working. 
Yes. If that's the case, and I want you to forgive yourself if you've over iPadded, and hopefully your kid's back in school now. And if they're not, or obviously in school a lot less these days because there's so many COVID scares and this and that, then let's just forgive yourself and just give yourself. Last weekend, he was starting to feel sick. I wanted to do an hour workout. I just needed it. Yeah. I put him in front of my computer and just said, go. Yeah. So there's no, it's, you can't shame yourself for it, but it is very important to be mindful of it and create Mm. boundaries around it. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I don't have children, but I, I do have my um, sister, brother-in-law and her two kids staying with me right now. And I'm just like, I'm in awe of the whole process. And yeah, it's it, it can be really yeah. dangerous. And it's really easy for the parent to just be like, okay, go watch your show, you know? Yeah. And especially when it's like, when you need to do something else or whatever. Yeah, when you got to do something else. And, and yeah, toddlers are like not in school. And I, I don't know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. The thing I think that's really important here is that, that if you are going to give them the iPad for an hour, that you then go get on the floor, get on your hands and knees and work and play with them for an hour. Yeah. And then redirect them into another play process or whatever it is. And then the other thing I think that's so crucial is like get them in front of a television instead of the device. The device is death. I like the TV idea. You set the yeah. stage for what it is. It's relaxing. They're on the sofa. And it's not so epically like bright in their eyes. And they're not like, you know, messing around finding their ways into a YouTube hole. So, yeah, that's my yeah. answer. Okay. I will take it. I will take it. I, I wanted to know, are there any practices that you can proactively do to reduce anxiety, like canceling news alerts? Hell yeah. Okay. So some practical and some therapeutic and some spiritual. So practical, get your news from my friends. And I'm like, they're my friends because I hang out with them when I watch my shows at six o'clock. My friends, Stephen Colbert. Seth Myers, <laughs> Bill Maher, Trevor, Trevor's my boy. I love Trevor Noah. That's a beautiful place to get your news because it's really important it's to know great. what's going on in the world, but it's also satire and it's just a healthier way to process it. It's not as dramatic. It's just easier on your whole nervous system. So that would be where I'd get my news and then turn off your alerts for sure. For uh, practices in the moment, there's a heart hold. Place your right hand on your heart and your left hand on your belly. And just breathe in deeply and exhale completely. Breathe in and then just breathe out. Repeating to yourself, I am safe. Close your eyes and deep breath and exhale and just say, I am safe. I am safe. And just continue that cycle of breath while you hold your heart and you hold your belly. And that is a settling position with breath work and affirmation that just settles you. And it sends a message that I am ready to relax right now. Listen to bilateral music. I've got links to it in Spotify. You can put it in your show notes. It's this music that stimulates both sides of your brain and it's used in this process called EMDR, which I write about in the book. And you can get EMDR music and you can lie down on your mat or on your yoga mat or for 15 minutes and just breathe deeply listening to this music. And what the music does, it stimulates the right side and the left side, the right side, the left side of the brain. 
And when that happens, it just creates this opportunity of what's called the window of tolerance, which opens up your brain's capacity to reprocess feelings, emotions. When you notice your part that wants to work and wants to, you know, do more, yeah. lie down for five, 10 minutes and just let her talk to you and just feel into her mm. while you listen to the EMDR music. Okay? Okay. Another really simple one is to tap. So there's something called emotional freedom technique that I teach in the book, Happy Days. So right between your pinky finger and your ring finger, there's this little part um, of your hand. And if you tap there, that tapping sends a signal to the vagus nerve, which regulates your entire nervous system. And it's like, time to chill, right? So there's that little message. And it starts to activate that parasympathetic response, which is the relaxation response. And as you do this, just breathe deeply and just say again, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Whoa. I have always heard about tapping. I did not know that that's what it was. And that is very cool and something that you can do anywhere. It's in the book. And then in the book, I reference resources, which then in the resources page, when you get there, will offer you these free tapping videos with me. Okay. I like that. I would love to do that. Um, I, uh, we have a, a, we have kind of a long email with a question that I would love to, I'd love to read to you, um, from anonymous. Hello, long time anxiety haver here. Ever since I can remember, I have always been unsure of myself and my choices. I tend to need a lot of validation from others. I have grown in, I've grown in this through therapy, but still find myself struggling. I made a big move after graduating college and I have grown immensely in my professional confidence. It feels good. I've been engaged to my partner for a few months now. I know I love him. I know that we will have a fun and fulfilled life together. He is so good to me and allows me to be myself. I've always had issues with intimacy. I have historically chosen unavailable men and kept them secret from my friends and family in fear of judgment. But I have been brave in jumping in knowing that marriage is what I want and that I want it now with my fiance. I know he is the one. I choose him. However, I have hard days where my anxiety about my life changing takes over. Whether it's my future mother-in-law saying things and doing things I don't agree with or my family questions something about my fiance, those things stick with me and make me feel insecure in our relationship. Any advice on how to get through this feeling and my own choices? I don't want to lose something good. Hmm. In a month or so, I'm coming out with a quiz, an attachment quiz to reveal your attachment style. But what I can tell you right now is based on what she said, when she does that quiz, she's going to get the result that she has an anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. Our attachment styles are ingrained in us when we are children in through our relationship to our parents. So often an anxiously attached child becomes an anxiously attached adult. And the reason that that attachment style shows up in the first place is because the parent is sometimes present and available and then sometimes not available. And so it creates this level of anxiety that's, what am I going to get? Who's going to show up today? And it's not a secure attachment. Mm. And so that typical style of attach, uh, anxious attachment, which is I've been in recovery from myself, goes into life, you know, really often like attracting the avoidantly attached people, right? Unavailable men, she said, 
doing everything in their power to try to, you know, fawn and cling and keep them in, you know, in the network. Don't, you know, don't leave me, don't leave me. Terrified yeah. that they'll leave, terrified that they'll do something wrong. Anxious, anxious is a big part of the anxiously attached style and particularly anxious in relationships. And she says she's confident in her work now, but she's still anxious and insecure in these relationships. So I want her to read Happy Days for many reasons. One, there's a chapter all about the, these attachment styles and the ways that we can reparent ourselves to get ourselves to a place where we feel secure and recognize our own internal parent that is mm -hmm. seeing us and soothing us and, and helping us relax so that we don't have to be so afraid of what others are doing in our life. And then the more we settle that anxious attachment style, the less we create those patterns in our life. So this anxiety is, has a root cause, and that root cause is from a childhood anxiously attached experience that has caused her to be an anxiously attached adult, and then this is how she is responding in life. Well, now you're going to make me ask one more question. How do I support myself when my partner has anxiety? Mm. Our partners, our children, our employees, our friends, the people that we work with, the people that we speak to on the phone are always co-regulating, particularly the people that are closest to us. And what co-regulating means is they are regulating with our nervous system. So when my son is having a meltdown, instead of shunning him or telling him to be quiet or relax or calm down, which is the, the worst thing you could do to a child having a meltdown, I hold him. Yeah. And I just say to him, yeah, I know it's really hard being a toddler. It's, it's hard to express your feelings. I, I want you to feel into all those feelings. That 20-minute meltdown becomes a five-minute meltdown when you just hold into it. So I'm not saying that she's responsible for her husband. It's not her child, right? For her partner. She's yeah. not responsible for his anxiety. But, but her presence and her energy can be very settling to his nervous system. So she can hold his hand. She can place her hand on his back and just rub his back. She can just relax and breathe and get herself connected and settled and just be present with him. Gentle touch is very helpful. Also, just give him some space to speak. Let it out. Yeah. Talk to me, man. And read the book. And read the book. <laughs> Gabby, I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. I love you so much. I want to hang out with you so bad. I know. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of Boob Sweat. I want to thank Gabby for coming on and for opening me the fuck up. You can find her at GabbyBernstein.com, at Gabby Bernstein on Instagram, and you can listen to her on her podcast, Dear Gabby, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please make sure to check out the episode that we did together. Have a question or comment? Call our hotline at 201-701-1575 and you could be featured on the pod. Or email us at boobsweatproductions at gmail.com. If you like the show, rate and review wherever you listen because that shit is important. Here's a review from Yvonne. Five stars, great conversation. No matter what the topic is, I always find something informative and comforting in every episode. There is something so powerful about hearing women create a community where they discuss things we are historically discouraged from talking about. For a special treat, follow Katie Storino on Instagram. This is so nice. Thank you, Yvonne. If you can't get enough of me on your phone and in your ears, then you should check out my book, 
Body Talk, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere good books are sold. This show is produced by Wonder Wheel Media with help from Madison Higley. Woo! Oh, and thank you to Cheese, who is definitely snoring through this whole episode, and John, who always seems to make noise when we record the show, including when he dropped my prescription off into the room while I'm in the middle of talking to Gabby. You can follow me at Katie Storino on Instagram to keep the conversation going. This podcast is over. Bring it to me. I'll say something weird and then you can go back and talk again. (laughs) 